RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone. We are live. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Red Pill News Live. I hope everyone out there is having a lovely day. Thank you for joining us, whether you're on Rumble, the foxhole at pill.net. If you're over there on Getter, maybe even Twitter, a.k.a. X, I appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. If you wouldn't mind, do me a favor, hit that like button, hit that red pill, help us out by sharing the show. I would sincerely appreciate it. We've got so much to talk about today. It is primary day in New Hampshire. We've got some returns, but not much. I'm not worried, however. I fully expect President Trump to take the state by a wide margin. Yeah, somebody disliked the broadcast. That's probably uh, one of a few people I can guess, but I'm not worried about it. So, we've got a lot to dive into. We're going to start, just so you know with our friends in the North. Big news coming out of Canada. So, before we get into it, sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn because we're going to be right back after this. So, if you stop and think about it, the people who sent their New Year's resolutions around health and beauty are really the ones that are helping collagen supplements to grow in popularity. You see, this supplement has been trending a lot recently because people are just looking for ways naturally to improve their skin, their nails, their hair, and their joint health. Now, as an example, if you press or pinch a baby's cheeks, they're going to bounce right back because of the collagen that's present. And conversely, large pores and wrinkles all begin to appear as we age because we are losing collagen collagen. Now, the only supplement I recommend and use is this amazing magical supplement because it reduces the visible signs of aging. It reduces wrinkles and it promotes a youthful complexion for your skin. Just one scoop a day provides five critically important types of collagen that your skin needs to perform and look its best. Plus, there are no artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. And you can get it right now for a whopping 53% off for this New Year's special. Plus, you're going to get free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, a free ebook entitled The 14 Foods for Amazing Skin, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and also free shipping. So order now before this offer ends by going to healthwithredpill.com. Once again, that's healthwithredpill.com. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right, my friends, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. I sincerely appreciate 
No matter where you are, thank you very much for watching. If you are listening to the audio version of this podcast in uh, uh, a time later on in the future, you can always go and watch the videos, which have a ton of additional content you're not going to get in the audio version. Available at pilled.net forward slash redpill78. Available at rumble.com forward slash redpill78. Available on Getter and available on X at redpill78. And of course, you can always find all of my work at my my conveniently located website, redpill78news.com. Of course, I'm also a correspondent on Patriot.tv, both on the counter-narrative with Christy Lee and Making Sense of the Madness with Jason Burmis. You can catch those shows on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And then, of course, I'm also a co-host on a number of programs at BadlandsMedia.tv, also found at Badlands Media on all of the other social media sites that I mentioned earlier. You can see me Mondays at 10.30 p.m. on Baseless Conspiracies with my good friend John Harold. You can catch me Wednesdays at 9 p.m. on Altered State with my wonderful friend Brad Getz. And then also on Thursdays, I'm part of a three-man panel with Adel Nero for 12 Productions. Quite frankly, Frankie Val, and then myself, Zach Payne of Red Pill 78. And that is taking it back on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. So let us begin today by checking out the situation with our friends in the North. This, my friends, I was particularly heartened to see earlier today because we all saw the just horrendous treatment of the truckers under Justin Trudeau after the protests nearly shut down the entire country. It was essentially their January 6th moment. It was quite obvious that the government of Canada was willing to do anything and everything within their power, whether it was legal or constitutional or not, to shut down the opposition, to stop people dead in their tracks and force them to submit to the will of the governing party. And that, my friends, in this instance is Justin Trudeau and his liberals. So just earlier, uh, very recently, Canada's federal court ruled that the actions that were taken by Justin Trudeau were neither legal nor constitutional. From the ruling by Justice Richard G. Mosley, I have concluded that the decision to issue the proclamation, that proclamation would be the use of the Emergencies Act back in 2022, does not bear the hallmarks of reasonableness, justification, transparency, and intelligibility, and was not justified in relation to the relevant facts actual and legal constraints that were required to be taken into consideration. Now, as we know, not only were people subjected to legal persecution, but they also at times had their banking shut down entirely. People had money taken from them by the federal government. People lost their jobs. They were essentially ostracized as pariahs. We saw a lot of really vicious things coming out of the liberal contingent of the Canadian people. And what's really unfortunate is that the the appearance from the outside was that Canada was essentially lost. Uh, but in the same way that Twitter, libtards down here in the uh, uh, the United States of America, are just very loud and control aspects of the uh, the mechanisms of uh, of control for information, like the mainstream media, social media, stuff like that, it doesn't mean that they are the majority. And the same is true up north in Canada. It's just that people are are a lot more reticent to 
talk about these things. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way that people, the truckers, were treated after the protests of 2022. But this decision from Judge Mosley and uh, the Constitutional Court follows an application for judicial review that was requested by the Canadian Constitution Foundation, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, and various other applicants who had all cried foul about Justin Trudeau's decision to use the emergencies measures to quell the freedom convoy protests in Ottawa. As I said, this allowed the government to freeze bank accounts. It allowed for protesters to be jailed. Uh, They conscripted tow truck drivers, and they also arrested people who were simply gathering peacefully, hoping to assemble and draw awareness to the complaints, the very legitimate complaints that the people of Canada have about Justin Trudeau and his government. And this says nothing about the other abuses of power that Justin Trudeau has recently been accused and exposed in actually committing against the fun, good-loving, patriotic people of the great white north. Now, according to Judge Mosley, the regulations that Trudeau put in place violated charter rights. The charter of Canada is kind of like their constitution. It's not quite one for one, but it's basically uh, the best they have in in comparison to it, Uh, particularly What Justin Trudeau is accused of stifling and using the legal power of the federal government uh, to stifle is the freedom of thought, the freedom of opinion, the freedom of expression, which is at the heart of Western democracies, Western republics, free Western governments. These things are supposed to be held as sacrosanct. However, the Emergency Powers Act was also found to infringe on the right to security against unreasonable search and seizure. The government used it as an excuse to go in and do whatever they wanted to these people. It was a blow to the rights of the people of Canada, and it was a blow to freedom all over the world. So the reading additionally from this ruling says it is declared that the decision to issue the proclamation and the association regulations and order was unreasonable and ultra vires the Emergency Act. Not certain what that means. I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a Canadian lawyer, but It is declared that the decision that the regulations infringed upon 2B of the Charter and declared that the order infringed upon Section 8 of the Charter and that neither infringement was justified under Section 1. So the Canadian Constitution Foundation, having initiated this judicial review, has now expressed concerns over what they deem as a severe example of government overreach and a violation of the civil liberties of the people of Canada, all, of course, happening during the pandemic. The Trudeau's government use of the extraordinary law may be the most severe example of overreach and violations of civil liberties that was seen during the pandemic. The use of this powerful law was unauthorized because the legal threshold to use the law was not met. This was an argument that was made at the time that Justin Trudeau made the public proclamation he was planning to implement this Emergencies Act. And that Emergencies Act contains a last resort Clause. It can only be used when there is a national emergency, perhaps something like an invasion of a foreign force, perhaps a, a severe uh, bombing of a major city center, perhaps a nuclear war. However, none of those things were even close to what was happening with protesters in the streets 
asking for the government to take them seriously. There are no other laws at the federal, provincial, or municipal levels which can address that situation. Parliament cannot use the Emergencies Act as a tool of convenience, as it clearly did in this case. Now, the government, of course, plans to appeal this ruling. Uh, The deputy prime minister for Trudeau's government has spoken out. They're going to be appealing this because they believe that invoking the Emergencies Power Act was a necessary evil at the right time. Uh, However, I am not so certain that he's going to be successful. It remains to be seen what the result of this ruling is going to be. Are people going to have their property and their monies returned to them? Are people's records going to be expunged? Are the people of Canada going to be allowed to sue the Canadian government of Justin Trudeau? Are they going to be able to get damages for the way that they were treated? Certainly, as we've seen all too often, when governments are willing to to take a certain type of power, they're not generally willing to give it back. So I think that the only way that this is going to be resolved is going to be through continued court action, as we are currently seeing things play out in a similar way down here. Yankee, uh, Yankee... Yankee y'all and Yankee y'all NC, congrats on your special anniversary. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, six years clean and sober. Thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, recognizing that. It means a lot. Uh, so we'll be keeping an eye on Canada as we have been for the last several years. Uh, obviously, this is a global fight that we are engaging in. This is not simply the people of America versus the deep state. This is the people of the world versus the deep state, the globalist new world order. We're taking them on head on and every single nation all across this great planet is now engaging in the same type of warfare as we find ourselves engaged in today. So very, very good. Uh, we have, before we get into this next story, I, I'd like to uh, kind of lighten the mood just a little bit. In the same way that Donald Trump has recently tried his hands at uh, singing a variety of songs, or you know, perhaps people have been having fun using Donald Trump's voice to do so, it would appear that Joseph Robinette Biden has uh, done much the same thing. This is another fun little ditty that's coming from high-res TV. This one is uh, called Joe Biden Sniffin'. And the funny part is that it actually uses Joe Biden's real quotes to put the song together. So let's take a listen. It's your boy, Joe Biden. I mean, Joe Rogue. Joe... Jerocko, Jerocko Obama's we be. I'm the big guy. Xavier on the beat. Black people can't get voter ID. They don't have Wi-Fi like you and me. I call all Hispanic people Latinx. And you ain't black if you don't vote for me. Trump will put your back in chains. I left a shower with my daughter to despair every day. My son Hunter is a good kid. He is a genius. Throw guns in the trash and skittles on his. You can't go to a Dunkin' Donuts or even a 7-Eleven. Unless you have just a slight disturbed and in and accent. I do not want my children growing up in the racial jungle than sharing a bus. <laughs> I'm so sad that they close Toys R Us and I really miss Robert Bird. He was my butt. <laughs> I love 
Smith and Children, I love Hillary Clinton, I love spending billions of your tax dollars, drawing, striking buildings, open up the border and then into fentanyl. If you change the gender, we'll promote you to general. Want to work for senators, expose all your genitals. The girls with Stephen Hawking always ate all their vegetables. You can't go to a Dunkin' Donuts or even a 7-Eleven. Unless you have just the slightest of an Indian accent. I do not want my children growing up in a racial jungle and sharing a bus. I'm so sad that they closed Toys R Us and I really miss Robert Byrne. He was my bud. <laughs> oh, and it's all true. It's all true. Joe Biden said all of it. Every single word. Well, of course, maybe a couple of uh, loose interpretations of Joe Biden's statements. But he really did say he didn't want his children growing up in a racial jungle. He didn't want them to be sharing buses with black kids. He also said that uh, poor kids were just as smart as white kids. And he also made that comment about going to 7-Eleven or Dunkin' Donuts and having to use an Indian accent when you entered. Uh, And, of course, Robert Byrd was a really good friend of his. They were photographed together on a number of occasions and... Joe Biden actually eulogized Robert Byrd after he died. That's right. A former Grand Wizard of the KKK. That's the Ku Klux Klan, which. Tresha, thank you so much. I appreciate that. The Ku Klux Klan, which was at that time the militant wing of the DNC. Today, of course, that's Antifa. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But first, I wanted to discuss this leaked phone call that just came out of Arizona. It would appear that the Arizona GOP chair attempted to bribe Carrie Lake not to run for the Senate. Now, of course, he never says the word bribe, but I think the tone and tenor and intention of his statements are quite clear when you actually hear what he has to say. So this revelation was initially published in the Daily Mail. I believe in this article, there's a post from Benny Johnson. I think he does show that it's from the Daily Mail, but I don't know that he actually tags them. Maybe that's something we can get Benny to do in the future. Uh, However, the state GOP chairman is a man by the name of Jeff DeWitt. And it's quite obvious from this telephone call or this leaked audio, rather, that Jeff wanted Kerry Lake to do anything other than run for Senate. So let's go ahead and take a listen. Also, big shout out to the D.C. Patriot and my good good friend. So what's going on? And my good friend, Matt Couch, because that is where this particular article is from. All right, here we go. Kerry Lake speaking with Jeff DeWitt, GOP chair of the Arizona GOP. I'm assuming this is our friend. Oh, this is, this is, this is back east. They, there are very powerful people that want to keep you out. Of the I know service. they do. But they're willing to put their money where their mouth is in a big way. So let me just say, first of all, I'm going to decode Jeff's language here at the beginning. He mentions powerful forces back east. Obviously, they're in Arizona at the time this conversation is happening. Back east, uh, that's a code for Washington, D.C. That is the elites 
the deep state, the globalists, the D.C. establishment that want Carrie Lake to leave politics for good. Why? Because she is a force to be reckoned with. And they understand that Carrie Lake will carry on the MAGA promise, the Make America Great Again America first agenda of President Donald Trump. That's why I believe Carrie Lake is so important to remain in Arizona, because she deserves to hold higher office. In fact, I'll go out and say it. She was robbed of the governorship. She deserves to be sitting in the office of the governor. Katie Hobbs and the others uh, in the uh, Maricopa County uh, Republican rhino clique, they did whatever they needed to do to ensure that Carrie Lake would not be allowed to rise to power. And this is why Jeff DeWitt is speaking to her in this way, suggesting that powerful forces in Washington, D.C., the deep state itself, want her to stay out. So what do they promise her? So, this conversation never happened. This is crazy, though. They should want me. I'm a great candidate. People love me. These people are corrupt. Well, maybe you're right. They are right. They are corrupt. Maybe. This is right. Don't don't go. You never know. I'll get myself in trouble. This, if you, if you, if you say no, that's just fine. It's your choice. Don't tell people. I They're going to. I busted, Jeff. First of all, this conversation never happened, Carrie Lake. And don't tell anybody that I came to you suggesting that we will buy you off to not run for office. Because, yeah, they're corrupt and they might crash my plane at the end of the day. Try to have me murdered. <laughs> oh my god, she even she said that they're gonna have her murdered. If that stuff that came out last week is right about the cartel stuff, man. I hear the, the cartel's operating in 50 states right now. Holy jeez. Oh my god, he's suggesting that maybe they'll have the cartel kill her. Holy jeez. Mm-hmm. So. So what, what, what's going on? Who is it? What? Forget the who. <laughs> Let me just tell you the what. Let's just say there are people calling around. Saying, gosh, no, they can't repeat this. Never repeat this. If you say no, don't. Because they say, I got offered to buy that. Yeah. Because <laughs> then we lose our ability to get things done other, in the future. Yeah, because his career is going to be over. After it's revealed, Jeff DeWitt, that you, on behalf of the deep state itself, threatening assassination by the Mexican drug cartels, you offered to buy Carrie Lake off to keep her out of politics. You're done, bucko. Here's this, my problem. Rather than just say, let's work with her. She's a great candidate. Because they don't own me. And it pisses me off. Yeah, it's not it's about ownership. It's about control. I don't know if it's about control. It's about being on the team. I guess that's you know I mean? They want to be on the team. They want you to be on their team. Ooh. Carrie Lake, we want you to be on our team. You know what that team is? That's the deep state globalist new world order. Not the American people. Because I'll tell you what, Donald Trump, Carrie Lake, I 100% believe that they are on Team America. And that's what these people can't stand. That idea of returning power back to we the people. Because when they lose the grip on that power, they know that... The gallows are awaiting them, and they just simply cannot allow that to happen. And they will murder, they will bribe, they will blackmail, they will do whatever they can to stop you, people like us, from ascending to power. 
you know? But if they're pushing a globalist agenda, I can't do that. So what do they want? What do they want me to do? They want you to stay opportunists. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I can offer you. Oh, and here's the pitch. But um, I said, you can do whatever you want. It's a talking head, this head. So the, the ask of me was, it's kind of funny. So the, the ask I got today from back east was, this is, is there any companies out there or something that could just put her on the payroll and give her to keep her out? And I said, well, what are you willing to do? Like, whatever we need to do. This is about defeating Trump. And I think that's a bad, bad thing for our country. Amen. DeSantis is not America first. This is about the final death blow to Trump. And I don't think that's good for our country. I love Trump. I love Trump. It's not good for our country, Jeff. It's not. But at the same time, I'm not even sure Trump can win. Jeff, you're living on another planet. Okay, you're you're going under the assumption that the people you work for control the American people. Guess what, bucko? They don't control us. They don't control me. They don't control a single person in this audience. They don't control 80, maybe 90 percent of this nation. And we, the people, understand that bringing Donald Trump back to Washington, D.C. means that your days are numbered. That's what you want to protect. You want to protect your accounts. You want to protect your power. You want to protect your ability to continue to operate with impunity. Essentially, an organized criminal cartel controlling the United States of America, the most powerful nation on earth, so that you can milk it for as long as possible before finally submitting it to the will of a global alligator to chew up and spit out. We're not willing to become part of your new world order. We're not willing to give up our sovereignty. And we're not going to let you take this away from us again. I don't know that you can I think what it really comes down to for a lot of people, it's not really about like, control or agenda. It's just about the ability to raise money to win. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, that's an agenda, Jeff. That's absolutely an agenda. He wants to protect his ability to raise money and get paid. That's what these D.C. clowns want. They don't care about the American people. They don't care about the America first agenda. They don't care about safety. They don't care about sovereignty. They don't care about civil rights. They care about themselves. And they are remarkably short-sighted. That short foresight is going to get them removed from power. If you really want to know, all of politics politics falls down about Mm-hmm. And even on their end, like what makes them the most money? I know. It's all these, about money. All these consultants don't want their, their payday to end. And I don't want to make a deal with these kind of people. This is a hill worth dying on. I, I'm Still not, like if they're going to steal the election to make me and our, our movement go away, I'm not letting him do that. I owe it to the people of Arizona. Or. To carry their torch and their voice. Or. You don't go away. You don't go away, but you pause. All we need, Carrie Lake, is for you to just step aside for two years. Let a rhino get elected to this Senate seat that you're clearly going to win if you stay in the race. Let's get someone in there that back east 
they know they can control. And for you, Carrie Lake, for selling your soul to Satan, all you got to do is sit back and collect a big fat paycheck. How many of these deals do you guys think have happened across the United States? How many are in place right now? How much money is being put into people's pockets just so they shut up and refuse to do the right thing? This is why honesty and integrity mean so much to me, because without it, we are nothing. We've got no leg to stand on. Buck Wayne says the timing of this release is awesome. White hat chess move. Absolutely. Carrie Lake. She is a savvy, savvy woman. Very intelligent. This is the battles right now, Jeff. No, the battle is right now. The battle is right now, and um, we don't have time to to pause on this battlefield. No. You're not. You you can't scratch their back. It's not afraid of you. Yeah. You don't have anything to offer them. And they're sitting around people that have something to offer them. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a a back-scratching club. That's all DC is. It's a big Mm -hmm. back-scratching club. You're in, no, you're in no position to scratch anybody's back, and you've already made it known that if you get there, you're not going to scratch anybody's back. I don't scratch people's back. You know? I was, I've been on the outs with a lot of people for a long time, because I don't scratch backs. Mm-hmm. You know? Where are we in two years if they steal the election again? If they steal the election again. If they steal the election again. He knows. Everyone knows. The election system in the United States is irreparably broken. They steal elections. The people don't get to elect their leaders. The people sit back as back east. They appoint rulers. (laughs) They all know. Everybody knows. Listen to what you're saying. Why don't we do something about it? So that we the people can pick our... What can we do? I'm not willing to accept that. And I'm going to be the biggest pain in these people's... Go back and tell them that. I'm running, and I'm going to be the biggest pain in their And I'm willing to tell them that. And they're going to have to kill me to stop me. I know, I know. You don't have to tell Wow, wow. So it ends with her saying that they're going to have to effing kill me, and him saying, I know, I know. Wow, absolutely, yeah. If you think, if any of these people... Any of these people who come out against Donald Trump, who 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 do so not what's support, going on? What is I'm assuming this is who do not support the America first agenda. Everyone working to keep Donald Trump out. It's about money. You know, I've said this before. It, you know, we're coming from a position of honor, integrity, ideology. We care about these issues. We care about America. I want to ensure that America exists for future generations. I want to make sure that our republic doesn't just die in the middle of this battlefield. Why? Because of scumbags like this guy promising handouts, promising to buy people, bribe them just to stay out. They wouldn't have come to her with this offer if they didn't know that she was the one to beat. Carrie Lake, uh, this is why I believe she is so important in Arizona. 
Massive, massive news. The Real JJ14 says, Hello, friend. I've been with you since YouTube, and you've helped me out over the last four years. I'll send more thanks as soon as possible, courtesy of Pepe's Revenge. It will make sense later. Okay, awesome, brother. Thank you so much. I'm glad you're here. All right, you guys. Uh, I tried to turn that up as loud as I could without uh, Carrie Lake's portion of the audio blowing your eardrums out. But what I'm going to do is drop the link to... That article from the D.C. Patriot, again, my friend Matt Matt Couch's newspaper, so that you can go ahead and listen to that in your spare time. Uh, That is a a bombshell revelation. I might even go through that and tune up his audio so that he's as loud as Kerry Lake. I think that that's... uh, uh, Zach, you should look up Kim Clement's prophecy of Esther to see if you think it could be Carrie Lake. Okay, I, you know, I heard that a long time ago, but it's been a minute since uh, since I've considered it. I, I will, I'll definitely check it out, and uh, we'll talk about that this week. All right, so, uh, you know, it's not just about money. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that come with this power. Uh, obviously, money, of course, but the influence that it allows you to purchase, the control over people, the control over entire industries across entire nations, all right? And it's not just the Congress. It's not just the GOP. It's not just the RNC. We know it's the intelligence community. The intelligence community is probably largely to blame for this sort of corruption that we see in D.C. and across America because they will kill you. They don't necessarily need the cartel to do it, but they might hire some cartel members. And then after you've uh, been assassinated, they'll just take those guys out and they won't even have to worry about paying them. Or they might just send in one of their own assassins from the Central Intelligence Agency. Or maybe they have a friend from Israel, a friend in Mossad that just happens to be here. Or maybe they got a buddy from MI6 who just happens to be trolling around the eastern seaboard. They will do whatever they can, use whatever means necessary, because when it comes to billions of dollars and at times trillions of dollars, it's worth it to them. One miserable, lonely person. Who am I? I am nothing to them. They would kill us as soon as look at us. And that's why they have no problem uh, completely selling out who they are and their country, selling out the Constitution. Uh, ST, is it Staker Break, Staker Breaker, Texas? Say, uh, may God bless your anniversary. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thank you for the donation. Well, the the Central Intelligence Agency has played a big role in this rise of the deep state that we've seen over the last several decades. And the Daily Caller has just published a bombshell report uh, revealing uh, from FOIA requests that the CIA has sent dozens of conflict of interest records to the Biden admin ethics office. So what does that mean? Well, the CIA appears to have reported dozens of their own employees to the Department of Justice over potential conflicts of interest during the Biden administration. Now, I ask the question, is there anything other than a conflict of interest when it comes to the Central Intelligence Agency working inside of an administration such as this? But if we look specifically at the time between January of 2021, as soon as Joe Biden stepped into the White House, and May of 2023, the CIA filled out 32 Form 202 conflict of interest referral notifications, and they sent it off to Biden's administration's Office of Government Ethics. This is directly from the CIA. And we can see this. 
Agencies are supposed to submit Form 202s to the OGE so that they can report alleged ethics violations that are referred to the DOJ, which is all coming from the Office of uh, General Ethics. Now, the OGE records have been provided to the Daily Caller by the Heritage Foundation Oversight Project. We spoke about Kevin Roberts earlier this week. He was the one who gave that extremely based retort to the World Economic Forum, letting them know that it was laughable that they're talking about preserving democracy. The preservation of of law and order. Uh, absolutely not. That's not what they're doing. They're trying to control you. They, they want to rule uh, while you, the plebs, are toiling in the fields below. So the Heritage Foundation received this information about the Form 202 submissions by submitting a Freedom of Information Act request. So the OGE informed Heritage that multiple forms may be submitted for a single referral, meaning that the total number of 202s may not be the same as the total number that were referred to the Department of Justice. So in response to your request, they said, we are enclosing one page of responsive records. Note that for a variety of reasons, there may be multiple forms submitted in relation to a single referral. So the numbers listed on these forms may not necessarily line up with the final number for the DOJ. But it's unclear if the Department of Justice, or rather the Department of Injustice, took any action on these alleged conflict of interest reports that were submitted by the Central Intelligence Agency. And of course, the OGE and the DOJ are not commenting on the whole affair, but the CIA has also not offered any details about what reported conflict of interests exist within the agency. If we take a look at President Trump's first term in office and the clear conflict of interest that were at play, uh, let's uh, just you know talk about anybody uh, who was working at the DOJ, anybody who was working at the FBI, any one of those people who were named as being part of the Spygate scandal, and of course the efforts to bury President Trump under fake rumors of Russia collusion. But these referrals cover possible violations under sections 203, 205, 207, 208, and and 209 of Title 18 of the U.S. Code. Each of these sections of Chapter 11 of Title 18 falls under, you might want to guess, bribery, graft, and conflict of interest. I wonder how many CIA agents have taken bribes from the deep state apparatus. Or maybe the better question is, I wonder how many bribes the CIA is offering to people like Carrie Lake or or to other politicians. If you've ever seen a politician who looked like they were 100 percent on board, they're going to fight. And then all of a sudden they wake up one morning and they're like, you know what? I've decided I'm going to step back and spend some time with my family. My first question has always been. I wonder what they were promised. I wonder what they were bought. But in the fiscal year of 2023, the OGE has made hundreds of ethics recommendations to federal agencies so that they can improve their ethics programs and ensure that they meet statutory requirements. Uh, For the OGE's report from the fourth quarter of 2023, we learned this, and their reports on their recommendations and agency-specific ethic reports are all publicly available. Unfortunately, we don't get much more detailed than that. Uh, Back in 2022, they publicized their ethics inspection of the CIA in January of that year, and the number of CIA employees that were required to file financial disclosures is classified. So therefore, it's not included in this inspection, but the section of the ethics inspection with compliance requirements does not indicate whether the CIA's internal ethics trainings addressed conflicts of interest. And the CIA 
So why in the hell would it? And of course, they're not commenting either. So quite often we find that these various uh, holdovers in the federal government working against President Trump had a conflict of interest because they were vested in ensuring that President Trump failed in one way or another, or that President Trump was indicted, or perhaps that President Trump uh, maybe even uh, might find himself under threat of death or worse. These people are full of conflicts of interest. I believe that there is no such thing other than federal government employees who have massive conflicts of interest. This is right here, the the number one reason why Project 2025 with the Heritage Foundation coming in and completely offering President Trump a fresh slate of non-DC employees, people who do not already work, operate, and uh, slither through the D.C. swamp. We need brand new people, uh, employees, appointments, and, uh, and, and, and suggestions for employment within the Trump administration 2.0 that care about America. We need real people in the seat of power in Washington, D.C., and we simply cannot allow that to continue the way it has been. So, Nikki Haley has won the first contest in New Hampshire. This was a midnight vote. Uh, I don't know what else you could expect from a vote taken in the dark of midnight, but it was six votes in a very small town. This is the same town that unanimously backed Joe Biden in 2020. And what do we know about the people who are voting for Nikki Haley in New Hampshire? Likely, they are unaffiliated Republican voters. They are voters who have switched their affiliation from Democrats now over to independents so that they can vote for Nikki Haley in this uh, this primary election. But the tiny township of Dixville Notch once again upheld its longstanding tradition as the first town in New Hampshire to vote in the primaries and all six registered voters cast their ballots in favor of neocon warhawk Nikki Haley. Oh, and philanderer. We can add philanderer, uh, a, uh, a Jezebel, if you will, because apparently it was an open secret that Nikki Haley was engaging in extramarital affairs while her actively deployed husband was in a war zone. There's nothing more inappropriate than cheating on your spouse, but cheating on your spouse while they're an American hero, while they're fighting for freedom and for the safety and security of your country, you're a scumbag. Nikki Haley is the worst type of example of woman in the in America or the world today. The type of person who would screw multiple men behind the backs of your actively deployed veteran husband. You, ma'am, are awful. One hundred percent. So in this tiny town of Dixville Notch, we've got four Republicans and two independents, and they all gathered in the cozy living room of Tillotston House. It's a temporary venue due to the ongoing renovations at the Balsams Resort, usually which is the voting venue. So Haley expressed her gratitude, although I have to say it's largely ceremonial, uh, but she was very excited because it was more than likely going to be the biggest win she had all night. She said it's a great start to a great day in New Hampshire. Now, if we look back at the GOP 2016 primary, the town's votes were evenly divided, divided rather, between John Kasich and Donald Trump. 
Kasich narrowly led by three to two. So according to the Crap News Network, voters backed the former New York City Michael Bloomberg in the Democratic primary in 2020 and in the 2020 general election, five voters unanimously supported Joseph Robinette Biden. So continuing on with the results there in New Hampshire, Governor Chris Sununu, a an unpleasant gentleman, a rhino of the uh, uh, greatest pedigree, uh, went around and doing the rounds as a talking head on as many shows as would have him. And he trashed President Trump the entire time. Let's go ahead and get a listen so that you can get a feel for the, the type of leadership that New Hampshire is dealing with right now. And to any New Hampshire voters out there uh, who made it out and voted today, cast your ballot for Donald Trump. God bless you. Thank you very much. This is the guy that was blaming Nikki Haley for January 6th and couldn't. Okay, hold on. I need to increase the volume on this. Let me just say it was a genius move of Donald Trump to say Nikki Haley instead of Nancy Pelosi, because Nancy Pelosi is the one who controlled the security and the situation on January 6th. And the mainstream media had always said that he was crazy for suggesting that Nancy Pelosi did anything wrong on January 6th. However, when he said Nikki Haley instead of Nancy Pelosi, the entirety of the mainstream media went out there and was like, oh, Donald Trump's so dumb. He said Nikki Haley instead of Nancy Pelosi. You just told on yourself. You gave up the ghost. If he's off the teleprompter, this is not Donald Trump of 2016, guys. So, if he's off the teleprompter, he can barely keep a, co- a cogent thought. I mean, that's just fact. But you've seen him in person as many, probably more times. I've worked with him very closely. He's not the same guy. This is not Donald Trump. He on, didn't on have his a fastball last night. Yeah. Look, this guy is nearly 80 years old. Thank you he's for your 77. service. 77. Yeah, that's nearly 80. We'll do math later. But look, John it, it, Sununu is a, is is a creep. Okay. Obviously, he is one of those bought and paid for bribed Republicans who has thrown his weight behind Nikki Haley because he wants her to appear as if she has some sort of momentum. Nikki Haley doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of making it through this primary season with anything other than a black eye and uh, perhaps some stains on her dress. Let's be perfectly honest. So. Uh, Donald Trump on uh, the Twitter, excuse me, Truth Social, he said, why does Fox keep putting New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu on? Well, probably because they're engaging in election interference as well. They want to stop you, POTUS. Every time I mention his name at a rally, they boo like crazy. He's all jacked up on something, but he ran for president without having the courage to announce, and he did it really poorly. To have this loser on TV is, uh, is, uh, on so much TV is really bad. Uh, and then Chris Sununu reposted that on Twitter and said, I suppose it's tough keeping up with the conversation, given your advanced age. Maybe try subtitles next time. Thanks for watching. Anyways, uh, Mr. Sununu, Governor Sununu is a sad, Sorry excuse for a man. Now, Nikki Haley, she had her own rally yesterday. President Trump spoke in a rousing speech as he normally does as he's touring the country, doing his rallies, campaigning for the votes of the American people. Many people attended President Trump's rally. Many people viewed that rally online. It was, uh, as always, uh, a sight to behold. President Trump may be 77 years old, but he is not a Joe Biden. He is not somebody like Nancy Pelosi or Dianne Feinstein. Wait, isn't Dianne Feinstein dead now? Didn't she die, guys? Am I am I remembering that correctly? Well, 
suffice to say, President Trump is sharp. He's on point. He, he, he's, he's in a much better situation mentally than a lot of people, Chris Sununu's age. So, uh, weekend at Dianne Feinstein's, yes. But Nikki Haley had her own rally, and uh, as you might expect, there weren't all that many Republicans in attendance. It was basically the the leftovers of the people who are not going to be voting for President Trump. And she held it in Salem, Salem, New Hampshire. Yes, she died. Barine Jane, glad you're here. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hit that like button on the way in if you wouldn't mind. So we had a couple hundred voters pack themselves into a small Nikki Haley campaign rally on the eve of the primary last night. And in that crowd was a woman by the name of Mary Ellen Sturgeou. She is a 62-year-old registered Democrat who plans on voting for Haley in the primary because it's a protest. It's a protest to resist President Trump. And of course, she said, well, Joe Biden's not on the ballot, so I got to vote for somebody. I feel better voting for her than him. She told the Daily Caller, we have just seen this disintegration of cultural norms. Mm, Yes, we have. But that's been under Joe Biden and your friends in the mainstream media of common decency. Again, under Joe Biden and your friends in the mainstream media. And of course, the militant wing of the DNC, which is Antifa. Respect and kindness. Yeah, forget about those. Remember when Hillary Clinton called us a basket of deplorables? Remember when the Federal Bureau of Investigation turned around on 80 percent of the American people and called us dangerous right wing extremists? Yeah, there goes kindness, decency and respect. She continued, it's just terrifying for me as a mother, as a father. We have seen it disappear now. She's a woman, but I don't know why she's identifying as a father. And I always say Trump opened a Pandora's box. No. Well, in a manner of speaking, President Trump did. President Trump opened a Pandora's box as a revelation to truth. He gave the American people a sense of what it felt like when we, the people, had charge of our country once again, because we haven't. Certainly not in your lifetime, Mary Ellen. Certainly not in my lifetime, Zach Payne. But the the nine attendees that were speaking with the Daily Caller uh, said that they would not support Trump if he's the Republican nominee in November. Several of them are registered Republicans who have been considering supporting Biden. Others are undeclared. So as you can see, it was Democrats. It was independents and it was a handful of Republicans who simply love Fox News and probably believe that George W. Bush was a wonderful president. Uh, And of course, that 9-11 was totally normal. Now, I mentioned Antifa earlier in the show, and there's a very specific reason why I've brought Antifa up a couple of times. It turns out that the Democratic Socialists of America, many of whom identify as members of Antifa, are going broke. They might have to lay off staff. Isn't that funny? A communist organization is unable to raise the money from their supposed members to continue paying their bills, which means that they're not going to be able to keep up operations. This also tells me that the Democrat National Committee and the Democrats in Congress are also not supporting the Democrat Socialists of America. These people have essentially been left hung out to dry because the American people recognize that socialism in any form is antithetical to the promise of the American Republic. 
Communism, socialism, collectivism, these are the enemies of freedom, uh, of of the people, of justice, uh, of anything that we hope to restore here in America. Socialism is not the way. And of course, the Democratic Socialists of America are one of AOC's favorite political organizations. I suppose she's too busy buying gifts for her boyfriend and hiring very, very expensive lobbyists uh, or not lobbyists, but uh uh, what are they called? Uh, uh, whoever it is that uh, that comes up with their ideas for them. Uh, so this is a serious financial crunch, and they're going to have to lay people off. I, I don't remember the last time that the DSA was forced to do that. Maybe it's also because a lot of their members died because they took 16 jabs. Now, this may have something to do also with the pro-Hamas demonstrations that many of them have been engaging with all over America, whereas before loyal members of the American woke brigade were willing to support these kinds of efforts. Now that they're actively calling for the murder of Jews, Jewish babies in their cribs and the rape of prisoners, well, that seems to be a bridge too far. So the Democrat socialists of America are in a dire financial situation. Their leaders are demanding that they cut jobs, they lay off staffers, and much like the same way corporate America has had to do the same because under leadership of Democratic Socialist leaders in Washington, D.C., the United States of America has shipped jobs, uh, industry, resources overseas, which makes it impossible for them to continue to hire American workers at the salary they have. Perhaps the DSA should look into hiring all of the illegals that they've been so gleefully importing over the last decade or so. But they say that they're going to have to cut $500,000 from staff-related expenses. They're going to be asking volunteers from both the director level and bargaining unit staff to have their position cut and receive severance. And if necessary, we will explore initiating layoffs According to the DSA's union contract, imagine that you are a socialist Marxist collectivist. You join the Democratic Socialists of America. You join their union and you pay your dues and then they lay you off and tell you that. Sorry, you're going to have to go join another political party. I absolutely love it. This is joyous for me. All right, you guys. Do you remember uh, the angry terrorist that snuck across the border and threatened American journalists when they asked him where he was from. He said, soon you'll know who I am. Let's go ahead and just listen to the video one more time so that you guys can get a refresher. Soon you will know who I am. Well, it would appear that Internet sleuths have been able to deduce exactly who he is, and he was right. We do need to know who he is because it appears that he is an Azerbaijani terrorist who was just released from prison after 12 years for what? Being a terrorist. So now Democrats have allowed him to enter the country uh, with absolutely no ability to track him. And it's highly likely that he could be used at some time in the future to engage in some sort of false flag or terrorist activity. We have a little bit more information here. Uh, this is uh, a, a Mob, Mobsam Samadov. Sorry, I butcher that name. But he is the leader of a banned Azerbaijan Islamist party. 
What are they known for? Well, primarily their anti-American and anti-Christian radical ideals. He served a 12-year sentence for heinous crimes. He was planning terrorist attacks. He was released from prison one year ago, and he was just allowed into our country through that Eagle Pass border loophole. This is a man who, when he makes serious threats against the people and uh, the nation, I think that he actually means it. Uh, So do you think that uh, ICE or the Customs and Border Patrol are going to hunt this guy down and kick him out of the country? Or do you think that they're going to give him a free cell phone, maybe a place to live and a bridge card, and they're going to allow him to hang out until the moment that he's needed? I think that that is probably the more likely of the two scenarios. So stay frosty, my friends, especially if you live down there on the southern border. Uh Barine Jane Lisa is gorgeous. She's beautiful. And she's, of course, a typical, like a typical woman. She's worried about the way she looks. And uh, we, uh, uh, I, but I'm always constantly telling her that I think that she's the most beautiful woman in the world and she doesn't have anything to worry about. Uh, and I hope that you remember that, honey, when I get off the air. <laughs> I come into the bedroom. Mm. All right. Hey, suicide. I just noticed suicide is following me on uh, on Twitter. Look at that. All right. Hey, he just he also just reposted the clip or, or the call itself of um, uh, of uh, Carrie Lake with that leaked phone call. All right, you guys, listen, we have to take a break for the second half of the show. When we come back, actually, I'll, I'll go ahead and just do this live. All right. So the, the second half of the show is brought to you by, first of all, my friends at onenessdrops.com. Onenessdrops.com are the official chlorine dioxide vendor for Red Pill News here on Red Pill 78. Chlorine dioxide is a miracle substance. It's also known as the universal antidote because it can uh, help you in a lot of different ways. But most importantly, and what we are uh, legally allowed to say, is that chlorine dioxide will allow you to take dirty, uh, non-potable water and make it safe and clean to drink. If something happens to you or our ability to get clean, fresh water from the tap, then you need to have the ability to make clean, fresh water at home. You can get chlorine dioxide in a number of different formulations, but it's essentially part A and part B. You mix them together, and then it does its magic. Now, they also, if you believe in space, send the uh, chlorine dioxide kits with the astronauts up to the International Space Station because when they're drinking chlorine dioxide in space, they don't want anybody to get sick because obviously it's a closed environment. Uh, There have also been a number of studies done. It helps with dental health. We use chlorine dioxide mouthwash. I also put chlorine dioxide in the dog's water because it cleans their teeth and stops the uh, tartar from building up. Uh, And of course, Chi-Chi has uh, lost far too many teeth in his time, and I want to make sure that he keeps as many teeth as possible. So go to the link in the description below onenessdrops.com. Use code RP78 to save 10% off your order. Now, also, when you go over to the links in the description below, you can check out mypillow.com and you can give Mike Lindell a call uh, at the special phone number, which is also listed in the description of this video if you don't want to go online. But whether you call or go to mypillow.com, make sure you also use code RP78 when you
check out because you can save up to 80% off of Mike's incredible special products that he designs and builds here in America. He has a factory there in Minnesota. He is supporting the local economy. And of course, the, uh, the, the American deep state continue to do everything they can to try to shut him down. They don't like that he's America first. They don't like that he's fighting for election integrity. And they don't like that he's supporting podcasts like mine. So use code RP78. You will support the channel in a small way. And then you will also be supporting Mike Lindell and his efforts to save the elections and continue to keep people working here in the United States of America. And then, of course, also my friends at Prepare with RedPill78.com. These are the good people at My Patriot Supply. Right now, you can save $200 off a three-month supply of emergency food. In the same way, you need clean, fresh water. You need good, clean food every single day. Now, this is emergency food. It's the kind of stuff that you put away and you don't think about for a while. But at the moment you need it, you're going to be so glad that you heard about it here on Red Pill News. So use my special. Special link, prepare with redpill78.com. You will save that $200 off a three-month supply. They have other deals as well, but that one is pretty much the best one in terms of how much food you get. Over 2,000 calories a day, 25-year shelf shelf life, 22 different varieties of breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. You're going to thank me. Lisa and I have over a year's worth of food here in the attic for both myself and her. So for an entire year, we would be fine if the ish hit the fan, but uh, hopefully that's not going to happen. I don't want to see that happen to America. All right. And getting back to the program, considering the fact that so many illegals have come through, it was recently uh, requested that the Biden administration inform Congress of just how many of these illegals have been allowed to come in. Uh, Let me say thank you to Jim Kyle. Thank you so much, Jim Kyle. I appreciate that. He says just because. Thanks for that, buddy. So, President Joe Biden, well, we'll say resident Joe Biden's deputies have let in a total that they can count of 6.2 million illegal immigrants into the United States, illegal aliens. They are alien to the United States of America. They are illegal because they're here illegally outside of the boundaries of the law. This is a number that's coming from the Congressional Budget Office, and th- this inflow uh, equals one migrant for every two American births since January of 2021. That means we have more illegals streaming into the United States of America than we have Native American babies being born here in this country. I mean, we have often said that this is a, a population replacement, the great replacement. Th- that's in- entirely their goal. They want to get enough illegals here so that the American people die off or are killed off or are you know, given some horrible fate. And at the end of the day, they're still going to have the votes that they need to keep their uh, their their bribed and bought politicians in office. So more of these people are also being released into the United States than uh, had previously been admitted. Uh, as I said, the 6.2 million, those are just the ones that they've had actual contact with. We know that 24 hours a day, our poorest southern border is allowing the transfer of vast numbers of these illegals. People coming that are military-aged men, 
trafficked women and children. It is a heinous and disgusting racket that's going on down there at the southern border. There is uh, currently the use of something called parole authority, uh, which gives the people coming through illegally, a notice to appear before an immigration judge. And they schedule them so far out that essentially those people aren't going to stick around. They're going to go wherever the heck they want. In 2023, they counted 900,000 illegal aliens who were released after they walked up to a border official, plus 1.1 million illegals who were released after they crossed through gaps in the border wall. And this is, again, coming from the Congressional Budget Office. Roughly half of those migrants, about 1.1 million, were let into the country by October 1st of 2023. Uh, now, this is one of the most dangerous uh, and, and, and prescient issues facing our country. And this is why I've been so excited about the reaction by the government of Texas, because Texas is, uh, is acting in the absence of the federal government. Joe Biden's regime and his federal agencies have refused to uphold the Constitution. They have abdicated their oath to the country. They have abdicated their promise to keep the people of this nation safe. Now, yesterday it came down that the Supreme Court of the United States in a five to th- no, I'm sorry, it was a five, five to four decision uh, has overturned the stay from a lower court, which allowed the government of Texas to keep the CBP and Biden's regime away from the border because they want to cut down that border fence, the razor wire that they've put into place. The argument by the CBP and Joe Biden's DHS is that by putting that razor wire into place, it puts people at risk because it stops them from actually getting to people who are drowning in that river Illegally. Now, they wouldn't be drowning in that river river illegally if it wasn't for the fact that Joe Biden's government, his regime, has broadcast to the entire freaking world that it's okay if they come up here and they just walk across. Take a swim, guys. It's no problem. All you need to do is get wet and you can come on over here into the United States of America completely free. And we're just going to let you go. We're not even going to worry about it. That's the ad. That's the attitude of the Biden regime. So a lot of people were very upset about this. <clears throat> you know, I, in speaking with John about this last night, I, I, I guess I thought about uh, uh, an aspect of it that I kind of took for granted. You know, this is not the end of the conversation. It's not the end of the argument. It's simply a tit for tat. This is a game of chess. All right. So the Supreme Court's decision was one move on the chessboard. The government of Texas, of course, is going to respond. They're not just going to step aside or bend over for Joe Biden's CBP. And the Texas governor can uh, excuse me, Texas Governor Greg Abbott said as much. He tweeted out yesterday that this is not over. The court granting this emergency appeal from the Biden regime allows the federal agents that Biden wants to get through to get to that border fence without the impairment of the Texas authorities. Now, does that mean that they're going to allow them to cut that fence and just do whatever they want? Something tells me that, no, the case is not going to be that way. He said, excuse me, Governor Abbott said, Texas razor wire is an effective deterrent to the illegal crossings that Biden encourages. Yes, that is absolutely the case. So that five to four ruling granted the request from the Biden regime to pause the ruling of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. That temporary ruling temporarily blocked the actions of Border Patrol agents to cut the razor wire at the barriers. It is just the most ham-fisted 
dumb and it, I'm trying not to be too mean here. Uh, it, it's one of the least intelligent uh, policy decisions that I've seen a government engage in. Uh, Texas, of course, needs to protect their sovereignty. Texas needs to protect their people. If the federal government chooses not to do that, then the only people who can step up in that absence is the state governments. And this is the kind of leadership that we need all across America. So the attempts to keep the border wide open are now going to be challenged once again by Texas in yet another chess move. So what did Ken Paxton have to say about it? Well, with the U.S. Supreme Court's decision, you knew that Ken Paxton was going to have something to say. Of course, Greg Abbott, he's the governor of the state of Texas. Ken Paxton is the attorney general of the state of Texas. He said this on Twitter. Let's go ahead and pull it up. The Supreme Court temporary or temporary order allows Biden to continue his illegal effort to aid the foreign invasion of America. The destruction of Texas's border barriers will not help enforce the law or keep American citizens safe. This fight is not over. I look forward to defending. I look forward to defending our state's sovereignty. That means that Ken Paxton, Greg Abbott, the Texas National Guard, uh, the Texas law enforcement agencies that have been deputized to deal with this sort of problem, they're not simply going to stand aside. They're not going to allow the Biden regime to come in and just unilaterally open the border up uh, and allow these people to continue streaming in illegally. I think we are about to I said on on, on Thursday or Monday, whatever it was, that we were looking at a, a, a standoff at Eagle Pass. Well, this standoff has just been raised its stakes significantly, and I am planning on having uh, some gentlemen who are going to be live at Eagle Pass reporting on exactly what is happening. They're going to be joining me here on the show uh, either tomorrow or on Monday. So keep your eyes open for that. We're going to do a short segment live from the border at Eagle Pass. And something tells me that the good men and women of the state of Texas are not going to allow themselves to get bent over by Joe Biden's CBP. All right. Uh, real quick, I, need, I got a bunch of thank yous I want to give over here on uh, pilled.net. Let me say thank you to Redfish. Thank you for that cookie. Thank you to Thick Ray for the cookie and another cookie. Porpoiseful, thank you. LKW Cross uh, dropped a ship and says, Happy Tuesday to Zach and all. Actually, today is Tuesday. So they might actually be on tomorrow. For some reason, I was thinking today was Wednesday. Uh, Just Duckies, good to see you, buddy. He says, Much love and blessings. Tucker Dixon, happy day for Canadians. One step forward. Netfolks1, thank you for the two cans. Nakaz808, aloha, brother. Good to see you. Uh, who cares? Says high five, Zach and Lisa. Congrats on the anniversary. Keep it up. Nothing is going to make me drink or use drugs. I am 100% committed to my sobriety and, uh, and being here every single day. This is the closest thing to a drug for me. Uh, Boise Blanc 89 thank you so much for that cookie as well. I appreciate it. Uh, all right. So, yeah, Johnny W., in a manner of speaking, the whole country has been bent over, but the whole country is at the same time standing up. Uh, I would say that Joe Biden necessarily submitted the United States to some of the uh, the worst policy decisions uh, that we've seen in our, uh, our our long history. And it's only because of the ferocious nature of those decisions, just how exposed they left this broken and corrupt system. Uh, that's what allowed Americans to wake up and to stand up and to say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm not going to continue being a victim. I'm not going to allow myself to submit to this. So, in response to this decision on the words of Governor Greg Abbott and Ken Paxton, 
the Texas National Guard has begun installing more razor wire. That's right. The Texas National Guard early today responded to this action by the Supreme Court, setting up additional razor wire along the southern border so that uh, the Customs and Border Patrol, the only thing they can do is continue to cut it down. And then every time they cut it down, the Texas National Guard is going to put more up. So Governor Greg Abbott previously installed about 30 miles uh, near the Texas-Mexico border there at Eagle Pass. Muffin, I'm on the air. I can't do anything with you right now. So let's go ahead and take a look at the footage of these guys installing this stuff, because uh, this is a big FU to the Biden regime. They're not playing around. This is not just one line of razor wire. They have some serious action going on here. They've got train cars set up. They have the razor wire on six-foot fences. So if an illegal wants to climb that that train car, they're then going to have to climb over a set of razor wire. And then they're going to have to climb up a six-foot fence covered in razor wire. They're going to be dead by the time they get to the other side because they're going to be so sliced up. So you just might as well not even try. Illegals, you may as well not even try. Stay home. You are not welcome here. If you want to come to the USA, come here legally. Here they are in a close shot. As you can see, Texas National Guard is still on the case. I hope that anybody who thought that the Supreme Court decision was going to stop Texas from defending their borders yesterday, I hope that you're pleasantly surprised because this is exactly what I was hoping was going to happen. I absolutely love it. The federal government may think that they own us, that they rule over us, but it's time for the states to start showing a little huevos, little balls here, okay? Because our government has willfully neglected our nation. Our government has willfully neglected our national security. Our government has made the intentional choice to allow an invading force of military-aged men to stream into our country illegally, to put our women and children at risk. And the Texas National Guard and the good people of Texas have said enough. We're not going to allow it anymore. Stand up. Stop bending over. Now, Kamala Harris is uh, the borders are right. So if anybody's going to have something to say about the situation with illegals streaming into our country, it must be her. I mean, let's be honest. Why even have the position? It's ceremonial at best. But I think that you can probably guess uh, what her conclusion is. Her conclusion is that they should just give everybody amnesty. They should just allow everybody the ability to become citizens unilaterally. Mm, well, I don't think that that's a very good idea. and I know that you don't either. So this was an interview that was broadcast on CNN, a, a show called Laura Coates Live. I don't know who Laura Coates is, but uh, Kamala Harris was discussing the solutions that she sees to fixing the U.S. immigration system and ensuring that we can process people effectively at the border. Uh, I, I can tell you. I don't even have, like, any experience in, like, border management or anything. But, you see, our forefathers had the brilliant forethought to set up legally 
specified ports of entry. Okay, there are border crossings, Kamala. These are areas which allow for free passage from nation to nation. These border crossings allow people to process effectively coming into the United States of America. Now, of course, we know that process people effectively, it's a euphemism for just get them in as quickly as possible so we can give them amnesty and give them the ID that they need to go ahead and vote. Oh, wait, that's right. People of color don't know how to get IDs, so they don't need them. They're not going to need IDs. We're just going to give them mail-in ballot and everything's going to be fine. And she wants them, of course, to have a meaningful path to citizenship. Let's see. Is there a clip of Kamala Harris? Oh, yeah, no, we don't even have a clip. Oh, yes, we do. Here we go. The stakes are high. Speaking of the stakes being quite high, let's go to the border because this is something that is in your direct wheelhouse. It has been something that you have been looked to to try to accomplish what has been. How many times has Kamala Harris been to the border? Has she ever even been to the border once? I don't think so. I think that she went to Texas. Now, it's a border state, but it's a damn big one. And I don't think she went anywhere near the actual southern border. Frankly, a decades-long endeavor by successive presidential administrations. But there is anger on both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, about an unsustainable border, what they're calling a crisis. It is. And you know what? We actually solved it under President Trump. We were building a big, beautiful wall. It was a wall that was already paid for. It was a wall where all of the material was built. In fact, the material was stacked at the southern border, ready to install. What did Joe Biden do? He sold it for scrap metal. And then he cut the razor wire and he allowed an illegal army invading force of military aged men, of drug traffickers, of child and women traffickers to come streaming across the border. So once again, they could kill your women and children and shoot you in your bed. Why can't this be accomplished during this administration? Well, so. Because they don't want to fix it. They know how to fix it. There's what there's an easy fix. All right. We already have a framework. We already have a border. Finish the damn wall. But they never will. And that's okay. That's okay, Because I don't want the Biden regime to fix the border. They can't. It's outside of their ability to do. Okay, they will never fix the border. At best, they will attempt to stem the bleeding. But it's already so bad. My friends, this, as difficult as it is, is the biggest red pill for the nation. For everybody who sees this happening, they recognize that this was an avoidable incident. It did not have to go this way. And for whatever reason, clearly the votes, clearly population control, clearly terror, fear, a reduction in the quality and standard of living, all of these things. The ruling class wanted this to happen. And who does it hurt the most? Well, yes, there are pressures that are being put on every segment of society. But for the lower economic classes of these inner city areas where all of these illegals are heading, those people are the ones who are getting hurt the worst. And those people are the ones who are now voting for Donald Trump because they've had enough of this madness. No question that our immigration system is broken. And so much so that we, as the first bill that we offered after our inauguration was to fix the immigration system, which included what we must do to create a pathway for citizenship, 
Mm-hmm. Again, there is a pathway to citizenship for people who come here legally. They never tried to fix the immigration system. They tried to set a nuclear bomb off in it to destroy the the progress that had been made under President Trump so that they could simply allow as many illegals into this country as possible. There is no such thing as the Biden regime wanting to fix this system. They don't want to fix it. They will never fix it. So I think that instead of demanding that they fix the border, because they never will, I think we need to demand that our states protect our citizens because the federal government is not going to do it. All right. So as I said on the thumbnail of this video and in the introduction, President Trump has just had another chess piece on his board move as well, because a federal appears court on Tuesday earlier today denied President Trump's request to reconsider that decision to uphold Judge Tanya Chutkin's gag order, which Jack Smith has put in place to stop President Trump from speaking about the injustices that he is suffering at the hands of this deep state globalist New World Order. Last month, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals largely upheld, not entirely, but narrowed Judge Tanya Chutkin's gag order against President Trump in this bogus election interference case. So the court said, we agree with the district court that some aspects of Mr. Trump's public statements pose a significant and immigrant imminent threat to the fair and orderly adjudication of the ongoing criminal proceeding, warranting a speech-constraining protective order. The district's court's orders, however, sweep in more protected speech than is necessary, and for that reason, we affirm the district court's order in part and vacate it in part. So it was a win and a loss. President Trump's attorneys have been trying to get this gag order removed since it was put in place in November, but it's preventing President Trump from criticizing Jack Smith or any of his prosecutors or staffers, which means he essentially can't speak out against the injustices of the Department of Justice, the same Department of Justice and the same team that are leaking to the press on a daily basis. Again, it is wholly unfair. It shows that the deep state itself is in control of the flow of information on this case, and they want to do whatever they can to discredit President Trump. Once again, though, unfortunately, because the American people see President Trump being stifled, having his free speech stolen from him, it again endears him to us, we the people, and to the very folks that the Biden regime hopes to appeal to by trashing him in the press and pretending that people like Dan Scavino have turned on him and there's going to be some major revelation. The appeals court in December upheld a good portion of this gag order, except for the part where Trump isn't allowed to criticize Jack Smith. Trump is allowed to criticize the special counsel. But the court said Trump does not does not have an unlimited right to speak. I thought this was the United States of America, guys. If they're willing to do it to President Trump, then you know that they're willing to do it to you. Uh, So this appeals court decision is, again, merely a move on the chessboard. This will be appealed to a higher court. President Trump will ask for the right to speak about what's happening to him. And uh, ultimately, we're going to see what the Supreme Court has to say about it. Now, we've spoken on so many different occasions about the possibility of a dark horse candidate coming in at the last minute. Uh, I just said yesterday, I don't know how they're going to do this legitimately. 
because Joe Biden's already on the ballot in every place he's going to be on the ballot. Uh, if they bring in somebody like Michelle Obama, I truly think that it's going to be as a result of perhaps uh, a major medical emergency on Joe Biden's, Joe Biden's behalf, perhaps a, a political assassination uh, at the hands of the deep state. Joe Biden has essentially worn out his welcome in Washington. He, he has outlived his usefulness. The only thing Joe Biden's useful for now is continuing to keep the money flowing into his family's political and uh, financial coffers. But Kristen Taylor with the Gateway Pundit shared a story last week about Barack and Michelle Obama angling to replace Joe Biden with, of course, a younger individual, Michelle, of course, being that individual. Previously, she reportedly surveyed major Democrat donors about her potential candidacy going as far back as 2022, and allegedly she told a gathering of CEOs in New York City that she actually is running. Now, the New York Post's Cindy Adams revealed that a secret plan has emerged to throw Joe Biden under the bus. She claims she's gotten this news from credible sources that few have access to and usually not meant for the noses of the mainstream media. So I guess that Barack Obama has reportedly pulled donors and put together a plan for Michael. I keep forgetting to say Michael, which is still being tweaked. Now, here is how the plan will work. Around May, Joe Biden announces he's not running. The so-called plot is that come the August convention, Michelle gets nominated. So it won't even matter that he's not on the ballot because the DNC is going to nominate her. And then Hunter's father is going to drop out just before that convention. And for now, he still play acts like he's a real candidate. Uh, you might wonder, why is Joe Biden not dropping out right now and letting Michael get a head start? Well, the uh, author of the story argues that he must pretend he's running because uh, as the resident of the United States, he would have to stop quacking and then he would become a lame duck. I guess he's thinking about his legacy at this point. I don't know. Joe Biden's legacy is about as valuable as mud as far as I'm concerned. So earlier this month, Michelle Obama, set off a brief firestorm uh, when she made comments regarding the potential of another Trump presidency. And of course, that at that time fueled the speculation that perhaps Michelle was going to throw her hat in the ring and, and, and that he would be the only help to save the Democrats. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at that. Fredo, Mohap is the most literal form of dark horse I can think of. Black as the midnight sun. Yes, sir. Yes. All right. Let's go ahead and take a look at uh, this. I, I spoke about this, but I didn't play the clip. The things that yeah. keep me up because you, you don't have control over them. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, where are people, where are we in this? Uh, you know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit, it affects us in ways that I, sometimes I think people take for granted. None of us, none of us take it for granted, Michael. When he says our leaders matter because it affects us, Michael's not talking about we the people. Michael's talking about that elite group of New World Order refugees in the deep state running things from their ivory towers in Washington, D.C., Davos, London, and Rome, so many places like that. Make no mistake, Michael is talking about 
Michael's interests, not we the people's interests. Because we the people, it's not lost on us. We know all too well the dangers of someone who doesn't care about us getting into the office of the presidency and holding on to the reins of power. Look at the state of America since Joe Biden took up residency in January of 2021. None of us have that lost upon us, Michael. Every single one of us understand. So, of course, your campaign is now going to set off a firestorm among the mainstream media. There will be stories all across the news cycle about how Michael is finally going to come back and save us. Yes, another Obama. Bring us back from the brink, Obama. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Michael Obama, Barack Obama... Uh, None of the Obama family are going to be able to take power again in the United States of America, no matter how hard you try, because you gave birth to Joseph Robinette Biden. Barack Obama chose him as his running mate. Barack Obama elevated him on the national political stage, and that was part of the grift to steal the election and give it to him back in 2020. They had to have somebody who could plausibly Take up residency in the White House and play act as president. Andre 2121 says, I'll never forgive Big Mike for putting diet snacks and drinks in my high school vending machine. Oh, yeah. Didn't he did a bunch of nasty stuff to school lunches? I don't even know what school lunches look like nowadays. I'll tell you, they were not all that hot when I was a kid either, though. I remember. I remember not eating certain days so that I could go to the comic book store after school and uh, buy the latest issue of Amazing Spider-Man or something like that. Man, those were the days you could spend a dollar twenty-five on a comic book. You can't do that no more, and they all suck now too. So the media is going to rally behind Michael Obama. Barack Obama is going to campaign for him. And, of course, Joe Biden is going to recede off into the sunset. If he doesn't die, if he doesn't have a medical emergency, you know, then uh, uh, things might, you know, it it might not be as good for him. I I think that um, for him to have a catastrophic accident or a stroke or something like that, that, that would gain a certain sympathy slant to the reporting. Uh, However, I think that they're just going to say that Barack and Michelle are going to come back and save us. Uh, Andre says, you're lucky that's all he put in your vending machine, Andre. Yes, that I'm sorry. That was Fredo, not Andre. All right. Before we end for the day, guys, we do have an update for you on the saga of Fannie Willis and her boy toy, Nathan Wade. Low Country Brooklyn says it got laid $750,000 to speak for one hour in Berlin, and all she did was trash capitalists. These are radical left socialist Marxist capitalists. All of it is intentional. Yes, it is. All right. And uh, you guys, I have also need to get an, one more story up before we uh, end for the day, actually, before we get into the story about Fannie Willis, because I, I meant to actually speak about this uh, during the conversation about immigration. So, In the last week, there has been news that came out about a school in New York where children were moved out of the school in order to house illegal aliens. Well, something very similar is going to be taking place in uh, North Carolina. Uh, Only this one is uh, even more despicable in its design. Uh, Anti-capitalists, Low Country Brooklyn said, let me just read this again. It got laid 
It got laid. Oh, it got paid seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to speak for one hour in Berlin. And all she did was trash anti-capitalists. These are radical left socialist Marxist capitalists. And all of it is intentional. All right. So. There is talk in North Carolina and probably in a lot of other areas, but it's not necessarily being covered, uh, that they hope to open up a refugee school. Now, obviously, that sort of flowery language sounds wonderful. We have children without a home. These refugees show up on our doorsteps and we open our arms, our hearts and our schools to them. However, this is not all it's being reported as. So there's a policy situation that's currently boiling over in the new Hanover County School District. And administration officials there in the district are quietly rolling out what is not a popular plan with the people of this area. Highly controversial. What they plan to do is shut down an existing high school for special needs kids. Let me just make that a very fine point. They want to take a high school that's dedicated to kids with special needs right now. They want to shut it down and they want to fill it with illegal kids who don't have a right to be here. Tricia says, Zach, Esther asked about Ivan. Did you talk to him? I will talk about Ivan before I end. So don't go anywhere, guys, if you want to hear the report on what's happening with Ivan. So, These are kids with special needs that obviously need special attention. There's a reason the entire school is set up to service them. So they're going to be leveraging the school's resources that are already allocated to these special needs children. And they're going to steal that money and they're going to use it to establish a program known as a newcomer's school. Read that illegal alien school. Newcomer schools have begun opening across the United States. This is the first time I've heard this specific language being used, but they are wholly designed to assimilate newly arrived refugee children and families, not just refugees, illegals. This illegal refugee asylum center will be the first publicly funded school of its kind in the Wilmington, North Carolina area. So not only are they taking public tax dollars that are designed to educate children with special needs, they're stealing your tax dollars to educate illegal children who have no right to be here in the first place. Now, senior administration officials at New Hanover independently are choosing to shut down the career ready Academy at Mosley PLC. That's Mosley High School. And by doing so, they're going to make way for a new 200 plus student refugee school. This decision, I might add, was made without the knowledge or consent of the school board and certainly without the knowledge or consent of the people of New Hanover. Now, during the agenda meeting that was held on November 28th, this board initially learned of the decision to close Mosley and open this newcomer school several months into the newcomer school's implementation. It was at this meeting where Chief Academic Officer Patrice Faison stupefied the board with a presentation on progress made and milestones already achieved in the school's roadmap. So this is a bit like asking for permission rather than asking, um, excuse me, asking for forgiveness rather than asking for permission. So there were some slides that actually leaked out from it. Uh, My real question is, what's going to happen to the special needs kids? Where are they going to go? What's going to happen with the money that has been paid by the taxpayers of New Hanover to educate those children? 
How are they going to get the resources that they need? Well, I suppose that's just an afterthought. Take a look at the people of New York City. Take a look at the people of Chicago. The resources that otherwise would have gone to them are now going to these illegals in the exact same way that resources that would be going to special needs children are now going to go to the children of illegals. So this newcomer school, this term, uh, isn't new in the education sector, but as I said, it's the first time I've heard of it. It's, however, a widely accepted euphemism to describe a taxpayer-funded facility with a primary mandate to serve these illegal students and families. So services go far beyond just education, a lot more than just academics. While newcomer schools are relatively new to North Carolina, newcomer schools across the United States typically provide free wraparound services to refugee families. So this includes language and cultural integration, tutoring, career counseling, and vocational opportunities, mental health counseling, medical care, and even legal assistance. All of these services are managed by the school and funded by, you guessed it, the taxpayers of the district. Oh, oh, and also nonprofit groups and non-governmental organizations. Brooklyn also says this is Laura Trump's hometown, shutting down the Career Readiness Academy, Fed operation. He told nobody community is pissed, not take the money, kick those kids out and grab the building on a federal grift. Yeah, this is absolutely unfair. This is not the kind of thing that you do. If I was the parent of a special needs kid whose who, who's education and whose well-being depended upon the monies that I've already invested into my school district, and now you're going to hand it to some illegal kids, and not only that, you're also going to finance all of these other the quality of life things going on for them. How many people in New Hanover maybe don't even have their own medical care because they're Americans and they can't afford the Obamacare plans that are available to regular Americans like us? What about the ones who can't afford medical, excuse me, mental health care, but who absolutely need it? What, what about the veterans who come home from fighting in foreign nations, their bodies scarred, their, their minds darkened by the things that they've seen? What about them? They don't even get the same sort of specialized treatment that these newcomers are receiving. It's absolutely deplorable, you might say. So during the presentation, Dr. Faison, the man who dropped this on the board, stated that Mosley is going to be housing these refugee students. Now, the question that the people of New Hanover have, does this imply that this is going to be more than just a place for them to learn? If it's a newcomer school, obviously they're going to have all of those other benefits, but are they going to be utilizing the classroom spaces to actually put these families up and give them a place to live? Now, providing accommodation and room and board for these illegals is a real practice. It happens all across the country. And I've spoken to a number of people who have fought against these things being implemented in their hometowns. But in this instance, the people didn't even get a say in it because they just woke up one day and said, guess what? I guess they're shutting down Jimmy's school and they're going to put up a bunch of illegals in it. This is absolutely disgusting. Uh, for instance, we've got another place called the American Hebrew Academy in Greensboro. Greensboro, is, is that North or South Carolina? They're offering on-campus living for refugees in collaboration with the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. 
Earlier this month, Madison High School in Brooklyn, New York, was used to provide temporary shelter for refugees. That's the one that I mentioned early on in this report. So, Dr. Faison, what is the intention that you plan to have when you discuss that you're going to be housing immigrant, refugee, illegal families and give wraparound support to them? More importantly, what is happening to the children who up until now have been learning there and receiving their own services? Now, the people of New York whose children attended that school in Brooklyn, uh, they were pissed. I can only imagine that the families of New Hanover Community Schools parents are pissed. This is happening all across America. And this question of what's going to happen to these children with special needs. I think that is the most important question. Now, there was a question and answer section where Dr. Faison uh, was uh, peppered with questions from the members of the school board and also members of the community. Uh, but a school board name member named Melissa Mort Mason raised a question about the future of those current students that I keep mentioning. Uh, Dr. Faison then informed the board for the very first time that Mosley High School, the district's only school designed for children with special learning needs, is going to be shuttered to accommodate this refugee school. So Dr. Faison confirmed that the students at Mosley High School are going to get transferred to other various schools across the district in order to make the room for these illegals. Let me also say, if if you're a parent of a special needs child, uh, there is really something to be said about the sort of uh, uh, routine uh, that's afforded to them when they have the ability to go to the same school every single day, to have the same students around them, to have the same teachers, the same instructors, the same administrators. When you push them into a brand new environment that they're not familiar with, or maybe there's going to be kids there that are going to pick on them. You can really do a lot of damage to them, you know, especially kids with like autism, which is like off the charts nowadays because the kid's getting vaccinated. There are so many negative ramifications that are going to occur. These poor children, as a result of these uh, gossip, virtue signaling, DEI, uh, illegal alien loving leftoids. Dr. Faison acknowledges that the closing of Mosley and the reassignment of these children to other schools uh, is going to happen. It's a foregone conclusion. And most importantly, they have known about this for months, and they've only now just told the parents. They've only just now told the school district itself. So the Friday following the presentation, uh, November 28th, the, the principal of this school sent out a letter stating that the school was closing and also gave a timeline uh, and, and a number of deadlines to the parents uh, there in the district. So uh, these are the parents of ninth, 10th, and 11th graders. At the completion of this end of this year, the High School Readiness Academy at Mosley is going to end. As of December 1st, parents and students are notified via letter. December 4th, student assembly with school district is going to be held to uh, answer questions. January 2nd to February 2nd of this year, uh, that's your application window. You've got 30 days to pass over an application to go to a different school, and they provide a list of them. Uh, by January 11th, High School Options Night at Mosley. This is an event where parents can learn more about what options are available for them. Uh, and then uh, so on and so forth. But again, putting the parents and the children in a very uh, unique and difficult situation. Uh, Guilford County, Greensboro is North Carolina. Uh, they're coming from Arizona, etc. And Faust, 
brought Faison in the inn from Guilford, Colorado, because she's a Greensboro gal. It's in North Carolina. It's way deeper than just this, and we are tracking it. Well, I definitely uh, want you to uh, to keep me up to date on what's happening. Um, so Trisha says, stop paying your school taxes. I don't even know if, like, that's something that you pay separately. I mean, like, isn't that just I, – I mean, I've never had to pay school taxes separately from, like, my, my property taxes. I mean, I just thought all that stuff was coming out all at the same time. I mean, how are we going to do that? The only way that this would work is if every single person in every single jurisdiction uh, actively decided that they weren't going to pay their stuff anymore. You know, I mean, if we got one or two people in this area or that. Uh, and, uh, unfortunately they're going to come after us. I, I would say that, you know, in this instance, like school of choice vouchers is, is probably the, the best decision that these parents could hope for. At least they're allowing them to finish out the year, but still red rum 41 K. Thank you very much. Red rum. Millie is in here, Mrs. Torrance. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And I know that this is happening in other areas around the country, but I'm just not seeing it reported in the way that it ought to be. If you are a parent in the New Hanover Community School D- District and you want to reach out to me, I, w- I would be happy to talk to you about this. Uh, if you're a parent at uh, a-, a school anywhere in the country and your child is being forced out to make room for illegals, I want to know about it because we got to shine a light on it. All right, guys, finally rounding out the show, the Georgia Senate is set to authorize a subpoena powered probe into Fannie Willis's misconduct. I won't even use the word alleged because I feel it's such a foregone conclusion at this point. So they're set this week to authorize a subpoena powered initiative investigative committee to probe the alleged corruption allegations that Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade and you know all of their partners in crime have engaged in. Uh, this is pretty significant. Because uh, the governor, Brian Kemp, has already refused to launch a criminal investigation into Fannie Willis. Uh, He cites the need for a currently non-operational oversight committee to open the probe. So the proposed Georgia Senate committee now is going to open up. They're going to have subpoena power. They could start as soon as the end of this week. And they hope to secure the attendance of witnesses or the production of documents and materials all related related to Fannie Willis and uh, her engagement of grifting of the people of Fulton County. And that's according to a resolution that was put forth by Georgia State Senator Greg Dolezal. He is a Republican from Forsyth. I'm not familiar with the area. So the committee, this is uh, the only type of its kind in the state of Georgia. Obviously, this is uh, not the kind of thing that you hope to see uh, in the office of a district attorney. But I think everybody here knows that this level of corruption and grift is probably endemic all across America. This this just happens to be a very unique experience where Fannie Willis had a spotlight shown on her and uh, we caught her with her pants down, so to speak. But recent reports have been deeply troubling, and I appreciate Senator Dolezal's leadership on the issue. Uh, The Georgia legislature has a responsibility to hold public officials accountable. That's the lieutenant governor, Burt Jones. So at least somebody in state government outside of the Georgia State Senate has uh, an eye on what's happening because these are troubling allegations. And once again, where there's smoke, there's fire. Fannie Willis getting her biscuits buttered by Nathan Wade and taking the money that she's paying him from the taxpayers to go on cruises, uh, buy fancy dresses, get uh, some Alizé or some Covassier and get her little twist on, uh, drop 
stop, drop, and lock with Nathan Wade on the dance floor. So the timeline for the creation of this committee appears to be imminent. I'm expecting it to begin by this week. So they've introduced the resolution as of Monday. It's going to get assigned to the Senate Rules Committee today. And then upon approval of the Rules Committee, a Senate floor vote is going to be scheduled uh, as soon as this week. And now if it's passed in the Senate, the committee on assignments are going to be appointed. Members are going to be put onto the committee. And just if anybody hasn't seen any of my shows in the last week or so, Fannie Willis is accused of misconduct and corruption during her prosecution of former President Trump. She worked with the White House, the Joe Biden's counsel. Uh, She worked with the January 6th committee. And of course, she hired her boyfriend after breaking up his marriage and paying him more than the expert on RICO, which is also working on this case. So the filing is alleging the following. Number one, Nathan Wade, Willis's lead prosecutor in this Trump case, had an improper relationship with Willis. He was effing his boss, Fannie Willis. Fannie Willis was effing her subordinate. Now, Wade's law firm used the funds paid to him by the county of Fulton after being appointed by his girlfriend to take said girlfriend on luxury vacations, using them for potentially fraudulent payments. There was at least one instance where Nathan Wade billed the county of Fulton a full $250 an hour for a full 24 hours. You can bet that during that 24 hours, he may have been talking about the case, but I think more than anything, he was working on the plumbing with Fanny. Uh, Also, Wade was appointed without the required approval by authorities, and uh, he had no prosecutorial experience. He, He was a Saul Goodman ambulance chaser. The appointment of Nathan Wade is illegal and needs to be completely dismissed because Fannie Willis did not go through the appropriate channels to make it happen. She thought, hey, I'm the boss. I'm the boss lady. I can do whatever I want. I've already got this guy coming over and staying the night. I'm just going to pay him as much money as possible. I will get a little bit of benefit out of it. I get to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise. I get to go to St. Bart's and I get to fly all across America first class. So Willis and Wade also met twice with President Joe Biden's White House counsel before indicting President Trump in August. Obviously, Nathan Wade, not a prosecutor, needed the input and the direction of an experienced prosecutor and somebody who clearly had a conflict of interest looking to gain in the destruction of President Trump, uh, stopping him from taking on Joe Biden because he is so, so popular. This relationship, if they prove that it exists and Considering the divorce that's currently taking place between Jocelyn and Nathan Wade and Jocelyn's production of receipts, which show that Nathan Wade bought tickets for this vacation for Fannie Willis using the same account that Fannie Willis had on direct deposit, dropping off the money from the people of Fulton County. It's quite obvious that the relationship happened. It's clear there was a conflict of interest. It's clear that there was a fraud committed against the taxpayers of Fulton County, but also the state of Georgia. So we're looking at multiple jurisdictions here where Fannie Willis and Nathan Wade could potentially be in legal jeopardy. Willis is recused 
recusal from further involvement in the prosecution, potentially delaying it indefinitely and requiring the appointment of a special prosecutor at public expense is something that should probably happen sooner than later. However, at this time, neither Nathan Wade nor Fannie Willis have responded to the allegations. I think that that's only a matter of time because, again, there's a divorce proceeding going on. They're both going to be deposed and they're going to be asked questions under oath about the nature of their relationship and just how deep it goes. So the Georgia Senate has a unique and inherent power and also an authority to conduct investigations into the basic expenditure of public funds and and also to look into the conduct of public officers, people who at the behest of a county or, or a state, a town, a city, at the will of the people, discharge powers and duties under the law. Fannie Willis knows the law, or I rather she ought to know the law. But maybe Fannie Willis is not that talented of a prosecutor. Maybe her hiring at the very beginning was also based on some form of nepotism. Or maybe Fannie Willis is screwing her subordinate because she's used to screwing to get what she wants. Maybe she screwed her boss to get in to the Fulton County DA's office. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. I'm just throwing it out there. But these inherent powers include the authority by the Senate to create special committees for that purpose of investigating. And it endows such committees with all of the inherent powers of investigation that are possessed by the Senate body as a whole. And that includes the power to compel the appearance and testimony of witnesses and, of course, the production of records and the power to place witnesses under oath or affirmation so they cannot lie, can't get away with it. So the resolution to investigate Fannie Willis is the latest effort uh, by a body with the power to do so to hold her accountable. Uh, On Thursday, this is when the judge ordered Willis to respond to the corruption allegations in writing by February 2nd. That date is coming up here real quick, about nine days, nine, ten days, something like that. Uh, It's also going to force her to speak on television about the allegations on February 15th, two dates to keep an eye out for. I will definitely be covering both of them with great intensity and further fervor. So although she's now going to be forced to comment on two separate dates, one in writing and then one actually in person broadcast live for the world to see her uh, spectacular humiliation. At this time, she has largely remained silent about all of it, claiming everything from racism to interference in her uh, in, into her investigation of President Trump. Uh, she would have you believe you, you screw a man's wife, you break up their marriage, and then she's angry about it. And it's all about your case against President Trump. It's all about racism. No, I don't think so. I think it's about you being a trollop. I think it's about Fannie Willis being a, 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 a honeypot at the end of the day. Fannie Willis, maybe that's too kind. Maybe it's too kind to call her a honeypot. She, I think that she's just a tramp. At the end of the day, Fannie Willis is a tramp. Uh, now, uh, who's playing the race card when they only question one, she said? Isn't it them playing the race card? No, Fannie, obviously it's you playing the race card. Nobody talked about race. Nobody brought race up. You know, you're a black woman. The the Your boyfriend is a black man. You didn't hire him because he was black. You hired him because you liked what was going on after hours. So, no, it has nothing to do with race. It's got everything to do with ethics, 
morality, with legality, with fraud. These are the things that are important to the people of this nation and to the people of your county, the state of Georgia, Miss Fannie Willis. All right. Yes, she is a trollop. I, I want to say a lot worse things, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm biting my tongue. All right. So uh, getting back to these thank yous over here from our friends at Pill.net. Thank you so much to Boise Blanc for that cookie. Just duckies for the can. C. Blanche, who says, oh, seven, it's about time, Texas. Amen. Sean Joe, thank you for the two cookies. C. Blanche says, F the government, pardon nothing. Porp with a PH. <laughs> uh, porpoiseful, thank you for the cookie. Uh, C. Blanche says, F Big Mike. <laughs> Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. And Allison, uh, thank you very much for the cookie as well. All right, you guys. I promised Lisa I wasn't going to go for two hours tonight. And I, in order to make that promise a reality, I need to end the show right now. I want to thank all of you for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for the donations. Thank you to the people who donate on my website, redpill78news.com forward slash donate, because I don't get a notification of those. I just get a report at the end of the week. And so I see them, but I, I it doesn't identify you in the same way that it does here uh, on uh, on Rumble and on the Foxhole. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. I appreciate you being here. Uh, until next time, good luck and God bless. We will see you tomorrow at 5 p.m. for another episode of Red Pill News Live. Bye-bye. Wait, 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 wait. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> I forgot to tell you about Ivan. All right. All right. So yesterday, right after the show ended, I got on the phone with Ivan. We, I called him on FaceTime so I could see him get proof of life. What happened was on Thursday, he was, um, he was sledding. He was tobogganing with his kids. And uh, I think it was like the last time he was going to go down the hill. And uh, they went down, they hit a bump, he flew up off of the toboggan, his son was in his lap, and his leg went underneath the toboggan, so that wooden, or excuse me, the metal rail of the toboggan hit his leg, and at the same time, they hit an ice wall. So, his leg basically crumpled, okay, it broke in three places, and he said he tried to pick his leg up, and, and it just dangled, like, his leg was dangling, dangling. Uh, so anyways, he was like, call 911. Oh, he was like, I was in so much pain. You know, he, he couldn't do it. He had to have somebody else do it. And he knew instantly that it was broken and it was really, really badly broken. Um, so when the uh, paramedics got there, I've never heard of this happening, like just, you know, on the scene. But I mean, obviously it must have been because of how much pain he was in. They gave him an injection of ketamine right there. Now, ketamine is a uh, a, a drug that's used for uh, clinical purposes. I've never heard of people getting it like on scene, uh, you know, in the midst of an accident. But it's a powerful sedative narcotic. Uh, it's actually, I mean, maybe it's technically a hypnotic or something like that. But if you've ever uh, had to take ketamine as part of uh, a surgery or something like that, you know that it whacks you the F out. Uh, you are completely out of it. Well, Ivan is a sober person, all right? He's never done drugs in his life. 
and they gave him too much ketamine. He said he thought his heart was going to explode. Uh, his breathing shut down. They, they basically had to give him something to counteract the ketamine. And he said he went ham. He basically was like, you know, when I get out of here, I'm, my name's Ivan the Marauder Ranklin. <laughs> you need to find me on Twitter so you know just how much shit you're in. Anyways, it was hilarious. Uh, he and I talking about it. But we do think that perhaps there might have been an assassination attempt and that's why uh, he was given too much. It's unusual for people to get uh, overdoses of ketamine from a paramedic or a doctor because ketamine has been widely used for decades. It's fairly well known. Uh, the specific dosages you have to give people are based upon like height and weight and body mass. So, you know, it, it's, it, it seems a little suspect that they would have given him too much, but they did. And he said he was out of it for maybe four or five hours. And, uh, anyways, they, they did surgery this weekend. They had to, he showed me the scar. They had to go in uh, just above the knee. Uh, move his kneecap over and then slide a, a, a rod down his leg through his bone. And uh, he's, you know, he, he's pretty messed up right now, but I think he's going to be coming home within the next couple of days. Um, when he does come home, he said uh, that, uh, you know, he'll give me a call. He'll let me know. If you want to check out his Rumble channel, he did his episode of the Rakeland Report yesterday from the hospital. So he's in really good spirits. We had a lot of fun talking yesterday. I Ivan is such a great guy. You know, for the people who don't like him, uh, you don't know him. That's all I can say. He's uh, he's a sweet guy. He, he loves this country, and and uh, he, he may not have an approach that's for everybody, but I'm telling you, he's a good dude. All right. So anyways, uh, continue to pray for Ivan. He's got a rough couple of months ahead of him, and uh, I said, you know, you're going to have to get like a gold-tipped cane for when you go to back to Congress so that you can hook on to Mr. Swalwell's uh, uh, shirt and uh, and get him to come back there and answer your questions. So, all right, that's all, you guys. Appreciate you. Good luck. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. Sixty-four likes on Rumble, and we had over four thousand people here, almost five thousand people. Man, you guys, you, you, 
you gotta help me out here, please. Hit that like button, really, honestly, please.